Ed, Tyler. Hold on, hold on, on hold show. on, hold on. I don't hear Ed in my headphones. <laughs> I don't hear Tyler in mine. <laughs> hold on. Hold on, what are you guys at? Hold on. Can we all hear, just hear each other? Do you hear, Hi, do you hear me now? I did not in my headphones, no. Still? No. I hear you. Do you hear me in your headphones? I just hear you talking. Say it again. Hello. Check, Ed. Check yes, one, two, yes, three. I hear you. Okay. All right. Maybe I need to turn my headphones up. All right. I think we're good. Do I hear you? Do you hear me now? Do I think know? so. I've confused myself. So here's a quick rundown. <laughs> Couple of things going on here. Jared is sick this morning. Jared is not here this morning. Damon is filling in. For yes. Jared. Thank you, Thank Demond. you, Demond. Thank you for uh, being available early in the morning. That's the difficult part about doing a morning show. Nobody's awake. If one of us yeah. is sick and can't do anything, it's a disaster trying to figure it out. Thank you, Demond, for showing up. We're also in a new studio in which uh, things are different for any buttons being pressed. But thank you, Demond. I got your text at 545. I was disappointed in you because the first thing you said is, are you up? <laughs> Of course I'm up. It's 5.45. Alarm goes off at 5.30. Never sleep past the alarm. I never, you and I have talked about this, I never get to the alarm. I always turn it off. I never get to it for some reason. I always wake up before it goes off. Yeah, I got a call as I'm sitting in bed waiting for my alarm. I'm awake already waiting for my alarm to, to go, go off. Exactly. Saying, hey, Jared's not going to be able to make sick. it in today. It's going to be a little rough. So we got it figured out. We're here. Yeah, we're here. We, we got, got a, people walking outside the windows. We're excited about that. We got a couple hours of great radio for you. Well, radio. We're going to give away some tickets throughout the show. We're ready to go, Damon. The first bite. Is Jonathan Quick a good pickup for the Golden Knights? Nailed it, Damon. Oh, good that's job. Perfect. That's perfect. Um, we talked about this yesterday on what the give back would be. Like, you know, what would they have to give to Jonathan Quick? We also said that they were deathly afraid of Michael Hutchinson ever being in goal. <laughs> it turns and out they were. It turned out they were. <laughs> so to give up Michael Hutchinson a seventh rounder, as bad as Jonathan Quick been, has been, I didn't think it was a ton. The the trade itself was fine. Perfectly great for yeah. the Golden Knights, right? You, you gave up nothing. A right. seventh round pick is whatever, and... Michael, I mean, might listen. Michael Hutchinson might go to Columbus and actually be a decent goalie, but for whatever reason, the Golden Knights were horrified. Yes, to play him. him in the net. But basically, they paid a seventh round pick for their number four goalie to be Jonathan Quick and not Michael Hutchinson, and that's perfectly fine. If you've got to play your number four goalie in the postseason, even though Jonathan Quick has been bad this year, he's negative nineteen goals saved above expected. 876 save percentage. He's been bad for 5 years too by the way. Yeah, he's his save percentage and other things for 5 years have not yeah. been good. You take a 5-year sample, he's under 900 save percentage and he's a minus 60 goals saved above expected right. over the last 5 years. He hasn't been good. But if you are paying a 7th round pick to say we think Jonathan Quick who has won two Stanley Cups would be better than Michael Hutchinson in the postseason, then that's fine. That's fine. That is perfectly valid, yeah. a perfectly fine thing to do from a value on the trade standpoint. But I am fascinated to see, because I think this could end up being a bad move for the Golden Knights based on Jonathan Quick's usage. Because my question is, where is Jonathan Quick, Quick in the pecking, in the pecking order? order? And does Cassidy, because it's Jonathan Quick and his 
resume of two uh, two Stanley Cups feel the need to play him? Yes, that like, I think is the to, big. Does he have to play him because they got him. That's the big fear I think going forward. Because if you just took stats based on this season, Jonathan Quick is worse than all three goalies that have played for the Golden Knights. Thompson's better, Brassois better, even he, Aiden Hill, he, who hasn't been great but he's been better, is better. And granted. That was in L.A., this is a new team, new system, maybe Jonathan Quick comes here and he looks fine, too. But based on what we've already seen, Quick should be number four in the pecking order. I do not think he will be. And I don't either. And that's what I am fascinated to see. Right now, it's Aiden Hill and Jonathan Quick. And to be honest, I don't have much problem with playing Jonathan Quick a little bit more than Aiden Hill over the next two to three weeks. Or at least splitting. Right, because you traded for him. Right. See what he is, right? Maybe he does regain some of his previous form from six years ago. But I got no problem with playing him now. The real question I have is, what happens when Laurent Brossois comes back, who should be back sooner than Logan Thompson? And what happens if and when Logan Thompson, Logan Thompson comes, comes back? Comes back? That's what I'm curious to yeah. see, because if Jonathan Quick is truly this as bad as he was in L.A., if he's still that bad in Vegas, you you cannot play that Not guy. over those other two. And I'm not no even chance. over Aiden maybe Hill. maybe not even Aiden Hill. And that's what I'm curious to see. Does his name power give him unjustified playing time? I don't think, listening to McCrimmon yesterday, that's the message he gave. I don't think so. He was more about depth and, you know, uh, what if Aiden Hill goes down and Bersois out out and Thompson. uh, He did say he thinks Thompson will be back for the regular season. I don't think that's the message he gave, but we'll see. Yes. We'll see if that's the message. That's what you probably say, given how bad Jonathan Quick is the first time you meet the media. This is who he traded for. He hasn't been good. He didn't say that, but everyone knows he hasn't been good, and that's what you say at the moment. I'm totally with you, though. I think name power is going to get him more usage than his resume in the last five years suggests he should receive. Right. And that, I think, is a little bit of a concern. The other part, beyond the playing time, is simply who is on the roster for the Golden Knights. Because the way this breaks down, they're not all healthy, obviously. Right. But if all four goalies are healthy... Laurent Brossois is not waiver-exempt. Aiden Hill is not waiver-exempt. Jonathan Quick is not Not waiver-exempt. Logan Thompson is. So if all four are healthy, you are going to have to either send Logan Thompson down... Or risk losing someone. Two of them. Two two of them, because you're only going to carry two. If they are all healthy. And again, to me, the, the pecking order... Should probably be if they're all if they were all healthy right now, Thompson, Brossois, Hill, Hill or quick, quick, whatever order you want to put them in. Hill it, so far it'd be Hill and then Quick. We'll see over the next couple of weeks. But I can't imagine if all four are healthy for the final, let's just say ten games of the season, I have a hard time imagining that they wave Jonathan Quick. I do too. I have a hard time imagining in the playoffs that he might not be in the roster. Yeah, at least be the backup. Even exactly. if they decide, hey, Thompson's our number one yes. guy. Yes. I have to imagine I quick just have the backup. that feeling as well that this, the name power and we go back to yesterday them saying or other people saying they weren't going to you know go for a flashy guy he's been bad but he's got two rings right. this is a flashy name the funny thing about the rings I was looking at Jonathan Quick's you know career yesterday did you know 
He has not been the winning goalie in a playoff series since he last won the Stanley Cup in 2014. <laughs> That's telling. It's and he's only been in two playoff series since then. And one of them was against the Golden Knights and he was awesome. Right. But they lost the they Golden lost, Knights. Yeah. But the whole idea of like, oh, this playoff pedigree, he hasn't really done it in a decade. Like we're looking at almost a decade of Jonathan Quick having not really led his team to victory in the postseason. And I'm not going to say he can't, but at his age and how much he's played, I don't know about this narrative that he's very um, he's he's going to challenge himself now, and he's very motivated because of what happened. It is what it is. You haven't played well right. in five years. I don't know if you could just show up and say, "I'm pissed off that the Kings traded me. I ended up here eventually." Now I'm so motivated, I'm going to turn my game around. Now, maybe he does better because the Knights are, you know, like you said, the system's different, and maybe they play well in front of him. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen when he gets in goal. But I kind of tend to laugh at the narrative that all of a sudden he's going to be great because someone traded him. If he was great the last few years and they still moved him, maybe. But as you said, you just gave out the numbers. He hasn't been good in five years. Yeah. So he's just going to turn it around now because he's on a different team? I don't – maybe. Right. Well, maybe. It's not one season of, oh, he's, you know, struggling this year. He just needs to get back to what he did the previous season. It's been five seasons of bad goaltending from Jonathan Quick. If he just needed a little extra motivation, that's like a bad professional. If it's been five years and you've been bad and you just need a little more motivation, that's not realistic. I don't know if that's real. Um, What does it tell you if we just look in the division that the top two teams in this division, the Kings dumped Jonathan Quick because he's been bad and added Jonas Corposalo. And then the Golden Knights decided, you know what? We need to go pick up the guy that they dumped. <laughs> it sort of tells me, I don't know what, and you have uh, Cam Talbot down here. Maybe there were others out there that were that were better pickups. I don't know if they went after them or what the give back was. Maybe they didn't want to give up enough to get someone else. But it just, it does tell me they're very concerned about some of these injuries. I think they're really. I, I think they're more concerned than they're letting on about these injuries, especially with Thompson. And they think Michael Hutchinson's the worst goalie. Well, and they didn't want to play him. That's obvious. They didn't want to play him. I mean, they, 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 he could have he could have taken the game against Montreal on Sunday. Wait, this was my favorite stat that I looked up yesterday. Last five seasons, Jonathan Quick save percentage is eight nine six. Michael Hutchinson over the last five seasons in the NHL eight nine four. Okay, well, now, we're scared to death of the. Now, he's, percentage. he's only played in 35 games. Michael Hutchinson right. over the last five right. years. Quick's played in like 180 yeah. or something. But it is funny to me that the guy they were horrified of has basically been Jonathan Quick yeah. for the last five lot years. Smaller sample size. Yes. But I've, has they, have they ever been more afraid of a player than Michael Hutchinson? I mean, he, he can't take Montreal on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, I think that's actually I do think that's the first time we see Quick. Uh, they played a night. Uh, Gary Lawless said that he'll quick will be here, be in uniform, be the backup. Well, he didn't say he'd be the backup, but I assume he'll be the backup tonight. Right, and I think he plays Sunday. I, I think, think you're so right too. about the usage. I mean, I, I got think no. They're going to split them. I think if, over if, the next two weeks. More. I think over the next two weeks. That's fine. Play Jonathan Quick some. See if he. I mean, if he's just a train wreck in the first two, then maybe you slow down. But if he's fine, yeah, play him in the first. You know, first 10 games, give him four or five of them with Aiden Hill and see. Maybe he is going to be better. Better. And if he is, 
great. It's a good trade. He might help you out. If he's the same guy who's got a sub 900 save percentage and is one of the three or four worst in terms of goal saves above expected, all right, you found that out. And then, then Aiden's playing a lot. Then we see how uh, how willing the Golden Knights are to maybe wave him once they get yeah. Laurent Brossois back, which, again, I don't know that they actually will do that. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we go to the Combine and talk to Q Myers. We are back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. Joining us now here on ESPN Las Vegas, live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, it's Q Myers. You can hear him over on Raider Nation Radio every day. Good morning, Q. Hey, Q. Hey, what's happening? How you guys what's doing, up? man? I, I tell you what, I don't, uh, I don't think you guys are, are jealous of where I'm at because this East Coast time is for the birds, man. I, oh. I, I don't know how much I appreciate the West Coast until I spend a whole week on the East Coast. So, yeah, I can't wait to get back to Vegas. I'll tell you that. I mean, I'm awake at 530 and I already see C.J. Strouds talking to the media. I'm like, what? Too, right. Too early exactly. That part. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, when I'm rolling in here and I got in here this morning around 630 East Coast time and I realized I look at my computer and it says 330. It just oh. makes me angry. So there's that. <laughs> um, where where are you right now? Or do you get to observe the drills from somewhere good? Um, no, right now I'm in the convention center and uh, the actual stadium is right down the street. I did go there yesterday for a little while, but the problem is again with the with the timing. Uh, the problem is from three to eight is when the drills are going on East Coast time. Well, my show on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty is from <laughs> five to eight. East Coast time, so I have to walk down the street a little bit, get a little time to watch some of the drills, and then I got to hustle back to get here. So I didn't get to get the whole meal deal, but I did get to see uh, some of it. And a side note with that, I also am the last guy to leave the convention center every night oh, because I'm the last show that's still on the radio. That doesn't change in the Super Bowl. You're first to arrive, last to leave. You're Jordan. You're Michael <laughs> Jordan. First in, last out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't get paid like Michael Jordan. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you've heard some of these interviews. You've seen who the Raiders are talking to. Did you go there with the idea they're going to pick a quarterback in the first round, and are you going to walk away from that uh, more sure that they're going to pick a quarterback in the first round or maybe the opposite? You know, I went here. I came here with the the feeling that they were going to take a quarterback uh, in the first round. I did feel like it was going to be, you know, either a, a move for Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud. But I'll tell you, after talking to – Coach McDaniels talking to uh, Dave Ziegler for a while as well. I feel like that they're not going to force anything, right? I mean, they may trade up to maybe five if they really do like a guy a lot, like maybe a C.J. Stroud because Bryce Young will be gone. Uh, but I'll tell you what, if they don't, if they don't fall in love with someone, I really have the feeling now that they're going to just wait. They'll draft a quarterback definitely. I don't know if it's going to be the future starter, but they're going to draft the quarterback. They'll add somebody in free agency, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, they'll try it again. They're not really pressing. That's the one thing I, I really took away is that there's not a pressing issue where they have to get the guy right now because, well, they have to, right? They're just going to kind of let it happen as it happens, and, and if they grab one and he works out, cool. If they grab one, he doesn't work out, and he's a backup, fine. Go back to the board and do it again. So the curious part to me, because we've seen, you know, Ziegler and McDaniels give quotes about not necessarily getting the guy right now, and maybe they draft somebody that's not in the first round to play quarterback. It, it jumps out to me that they both know they have the job security to 
not necessarily go all in this year, that they know, oh, we'll be back again, and if 2024 might be the year we land our franchise quarterback and go from there. Does that tell you that Mark Davis has given these guys some sort of assurances that they don't have to be all in this season? You know, I, I feel like it is, right? I feel like that that is what we have to take away from it because it blew my mind as well. I've been talking about they have to find a way to win nine or ten games uh, this season or else. I mean, we see teams across the league don't get, or coaching staffs don't get three years, four years to build it in their vision. But it feels like, and maybe I'm wrong, you know, maybe they're throwing out a great smoke screen and I fell for it, who knows. <laughs> but it really does feel like they're confident that they'll be back next year uh, regardless how it all shakes out this year. You know, now they can't just go and have an awful year and, you know, end up like 2-15. and, and 15, But if they're somewhat on the same page as they were a season ago and maybe look a little bit better, I think that they're very comfortable and confident that they'll be back, which, again, surprises me. I'd go 2-15 and 15 and get Caleb Williams. <laughs> Man, that would be – I mean, it would be – it would be great to get him, but man, what a miserable season that would be. <laughs> that would be miserable. And look, I look, winning is fun when you're covering a team, right? It's great to cover a team that's winning. And man, oh man, could you imagine two and fifteen? That would be some long, long uh, media sessions and some uh, some real bad uh, press conferences following the game. Is there a first round quarterback that you like? Are you in on Anthony Richardson and his upside? Is, is there one that you think is is going to be really good? I like uh, I like Bryce and I like CJ and those are the two guys and I like CJ's size better than Bryce's. I'll tell you, talking to or hearing uh, Bryce's podium session this morning, I really came away feeling like he was a young Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson before Sierra, Russell Wilson before Denver, uh, but he just it sounded like almost that he went to the school of hey, uh, how do you talk to the media at the podium? Here, let Russell Wilson teach this class. It really seemed like uh, he was really Russell Wilson like, and of course he's being compared to him anyway because of his size. But it just just the, his demeanor, his leadership sound. I mean, he seems like a, a really good dude. So uh, I like Bryce Young and I like C.J. Stroud. I think C.J. Stroud won the morning, though, as far as what he was saying at the podium. And uh, he's a pretty big dude with a lot of confidence. So I, I would be comfortable with the Raiders grabbing either one of those two dudes in the first round. Uh, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, I just I'm, I'm, I'm not that comfortable with. I think their ceilings are high, but, man, I just don't know where the floor begins, right? <laughs> it just seems like they have so many questions. And I don't, I don't know if the Raiders – uh, are, are a team that can actually afford to, you know, sit there and, and try to get a guy in the top ten like those and then fail on him, right? I think if you're going to fail on a quarterback, you better fail on that guy you draft in the second round. It seems like we're talking maybe a little less about him because, uh, you know, the the focus is on the combine and are they going to draft a quarterback? A lot of people think they do. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is completely out of the picture now? I do. I really do. And and I was a guy that thought they would it would make sense for the Raiders to go after him. You know, why not? Keep him back up with Devontae Adams and at least give the fans something to get excited and fired up about. But, again, going back to the conversation with McDaniels and Ziggler, I just don't see it. I don't think it's in the cards. I think they literally are going to try to build the team up and do it the right way, which if they can do it, great. You know, you know, hats off to them because the team has so many holes and there's a lot of defensive studs in this draft, so maybe they go defense at number seven. Who knows? But there's so many different directions that this team could go. Uh, I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be in the cards. Are they measuring quarterback hand sizes today? That's the only information I want from the combine. Who's got tiny hands and you can't draft them because of it? I think they're doing all the measurements for the quarterbacks tomorrow. They're doing the podium stuff and the medicals, and then they'll do the measurements tomorrow. Uh, but, yeah, it's funny, and Bryce was asked so many questions about his size, and I loved his answer, and DeMond could use this answer as well, since uh, he's not the tallest dude in the room. Hey, look. 
this, you know, respectfully, I've been this size my whole life, right? So I mean, it's like I can't, I can't change who I am. I, I've been, I've been small my whole life. I'm gonna be small. It just is what it is. So I think Demon should use that, put that into his repertoire. All right, uh, Demon got really wide-eyed when he started to hear his name brought up there. So I think he's all in on just saying this is how big I've been my entire life. Uh, <laughs> He's Q Myers. You can hear him on Raider Nation Radio live from the Combine in Indianapolis. Uh, Q, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Q. Absolutely. Keep doing a great job. Can't wait to get back to the West Coast. See you. So there is Q again. Raider Nation Radio 2 to 5 every day on Unnecessary Roughness. Devon, is that your new go-to? I've been this size my whole life. I mean, it, it works. Okay. You know. You are not seem to. You haven't bought in as much as Bryce Young has on just saying I've been this size my whole life. Yeah, because you you know it's still not gonna play as well, you know, for me as it as it does for him. He's got all the talent to back it up. I don't. Yeah, it's debatable. All right, coming up next year on ESPN Las Vegas, we talk to Nevada head coach Steve Alford. Text Granny and Bischoff at six nine one eight seven with the word ESPN. Coming up next week, the Mountain West Tournament is here in Las Vegas. Before that, one game left in the regular season as UNLV heads up to Reno to take on Nevada to close out their Mountain West schedule. And joining us now, the head coach of the Wolfpack, Steve Alford. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Good morning, Coach. Good morning. How are you? Good. So let's start with UNLV because something that I, I find interesting to hear from uh, opposing coaches across the conference, he's one of the best players in the league, maybe in the entire country, at getting to the free throw line. And I think he took 14 against you guys the last time you played. What do you coach your players? What do you tell your players when it's when it's a guy who's very good at creating contact and getting to the free throw line? Like, How do you tell them, hey, this is what we have to watch out for and this is how we need to not foul him when he tries to create contact in the lane? Yeah, you say he's a hard cover. He he does a very good job. There are guys in the league, obviously, whether it's a post guy that um, has great stuff inside that you know possibly you got a double team or great shooters that you can't leave. Or in the case of Harkless, he's just somebody that um, that really is good off the bounce. Um, I, I love his motor. I think he plays extremely hard, and um, so when you play that hard and you play that downhill. Um, you can draw a lot of contact. So we just got to do a good job of trying to keep him in front and not using our, not using our arms, but um, really moving our feet and trying to keep him in front. Coach, uh, we know the football team plays for a cannon. Uh, we know how big that becomes around these parts and up there. Uh, Basketball-wise, you know, you guys are going, you know, trying to get to the NCAA tournament. It's just your next game. It's an important one for you. How much, in your mind, since you've been there, does the rivalry mean, and how much do you talk about it all in basketball, where you could play a team three times in a year if you met in the tournament? Yeah, I, I don't know if we spend a ton of time on the rivalry piece. I mean, obviously, it's it's a part of it, and the guys understand that. You know, we we won our first four, and now they've won the last three. So um, we're undefeated at home. We've been playing well here, and this is a huge game for us. So regardless of whether it was going to be UNLV or it was going to be somebody else in our league, this is a, a must win for us to finish out the season. We're playing for a lot. and But uh, obviously when there's only two Division One teams in the state, uh, there's a lot of tension uh, brought to that. One's in the north, one's in the south. So it's uh, it's been a we're in the same league. We didn't always used to be in the same league. So it's uh, it's an exciting rivalry, I think, within the Mountain West. And the Mountain West has been a – this is my 10th year in the Mountain West, and I think top to bottom it's the best 
uh, our league's been. Steve, which player on your team is most likely to bring up a Ken Palm stat or a net ranking of your team or somebody else? What, uh, to bring it up in conversation? Yeah, yeah. Like who's who's most into the Ken Palm and the net rankings uh, on your probably team? Probably Jared Lucas. He probably <laughs> he probably follows that stuff and knows more about it. We probably got some guys that have never heard of it. <laughs> uh, do you? If you're anything like me, I don't understand it. I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> some of the stuff that they use, like I, somebody told us the other day, our our RPI was ten, uh, and that was the old way of getting in. You know, so you know, if our RPI is top ten, and it's just, you know, the thing I don't like about the net is it brings in blowouts, and I don't think that should be a measuring stick. Well, I was going to say Utah State, who just beat UNLV, beat them by twenty five. They yeah. jumped up to 11. They jumped up 11 spots in Ken Palm. They moved up eight spots in net, which is really big movement this late in the year. And they didn't pull their entire starting lineup until I think it was 50 seconds left in that game. Correct. And, and I just, so you can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't have uh, NCAA and leagues across the country, you know, talking about sportsmanship and what the game's <laughs> all about and then have a matrix um, that gives you a lot of, and I'm not saying Utah State was wrong. I'm just saying um, if you've got a matrix where blowouts mean a lot, then that's what you're going to see across the country, especially late in the year. And I, I don't think that's good for the game. I, I don't, I don't care about margin of victory. It's either you win or you lose. And I think it also impacts teams that aren't fast paced um, and have lower possession games. There's a lot of teams that play at a much lower pace that they don't have a lot of blowouts. Their margin of victory maybe six to eight versus teams that play extremely fast and have the ability to blow teams out. I just don't think that's a good matrix of really measuring what a team's like. You know, you said it's the best it's been since you've been in it, and I think that's a tribute to teams like San Jose State and what Tim Miles has done there and kind of bringing that program up from where it was for forever, really. Um, can you talk about that job, and is that why it's the best? They're just better teams now, top to bottom, that, you know, we've seen some scores around the league this year where we're like, wow, that team was able to get that team, you know, usually on its home court. But is that really the reason that these coaches and have been able to bring teams up from where they were? Yeah, I think we've got really good coaching in this league. I think we've got very good players in this league. I think teams in the league are utilizing the portal um, and doing good things out of the portal. I think uh, this league is uh, a league that a lot of kids that are from the West that get in the portals find this league intriguing because of the following the fans give, the arenas you play in, the cities that they're in. And I think there's a lot of positives to that. It's just – it's a really good basketball league. I think it always has been. And we've had a lot in my 10 years, we've had a lot of movement. Uh, I left for a while for UCLA, but when I was at New Mexico and now back in Nevada, it's changed a lot. We used to have Utah. We used to have BYU. We used to have TCU. Um, so that even through the movement of teams uh, through those 10 years, it's just been a really good basketball league. And I think it's on another uptick this year to where, you know, we've got, We've got a legit five teams uh, currently, and that's before the tournament even begins, uh, that have a legit chance of making the NCAA tournament. So there are not a lot of leagues throughout the country uh, that can say that. I think we're one of maybe just the Big 12 that's had every team in their league with a net that's above 200. That's pretty impressive. Steve Alford with us again. The Mountain West Tournament coming to Las Vegas next week. UNLV heads up to Reno take on Nevada tomorrow. Um, 
maybe you can help us out with this and, and you can uh, petition for your own guy here. There's not a clear cut player of the year in the conference this year. I don't even know if there's a clear cut like top two or three. Who should be player of the year in the Mountain West this season? Yeah, that's hard. I think it always, I've always been a believer player of the year comes from the top. So you've got, you know, those leagues at the top. San Diego State obviously has already clinched a share uh, with just one game left. They've already clinched a share of it. And they've just got a lot of, uh, a lot of guys, a lot of a talent, a lot of seniors. I think Bradley is the key to their team. I think Boise uh, with Shaver and Dingenhart, but nobody's had the year for Boise that, that Max Rice has had. I, I think he's been their, their biggest key. Uh, obviously, we've had three guys that have meant a lot to us as far as just how to guard us, and that's Jared Lucas, Baker, and, and Keenan Blackshear. But I think we've got great balance, too. Uh, Utah State, uh, I think Ashworth has had a phenomenal year for them. Um, you know, so I, I think that's where, cause then I think there's a separation after that, just from a conference record standpoint, but, uh, top to bottom, just a lot of good players in this league. You know, everyone has their own strategy and you brought it up the portal. W- what is yours when, when you have to look each year to the portal and, and you kind of balance that between bringing in, you know, high school recruits, it seems like everyone has their own strategy and how to face the portal. Well, we were picked ninth after the tough year we had last year and, um, we've been able to make some great additions. Um, some of it is a addition through subtraction and, and just getting the, the new guys in here um, and getting our culture back to where, you know, it, it's a culture of unselfishness. And we've been very fortunate this year, but we thought we were going to be old. If you look at Boise, you look at San Diego State, you look at Utah State, even San, Diego, San, uh, San Jose State, New Mexico, these are old teams, a lot of seniors. And every every player on our team can return. We thought we were going to be old, but we lost K.J. Himes four games in. We lost Hunter McIntosh in October. So the most impressive thing is our is how our guys have really stayed together. And we've not lost two games in a row all year. We've been very consistent. Um, but it used to be bringing in a lot of freshmen, and we're fortunate we've had We've had a couple of freshmen in uh, Darian Williams and, and Nick Davidson who have had outstanding freshman years. But I think you're seeing across the country, uh, all of our scouts, uh, there's just old teams. I mean, you just got a, a vast number of seniors on everybody's rosters now. So the old adage was do a good job in recruiting, develop kids from freshmen on, try to get old and stay old. But um, now everybody is getting old quick through the portal. And you got guys that are going to be in college five, six years, and that was never the case. So I think you have to look at the portal, but you also have to be careful that uh, you're not taking individuals out of the portal that are going to hurt uh, a culture that you might be building. I'm curious because two of your uh, better players this year, Keenan Blackshear and Will Baker, are transfers, but it's it's their second year at Nevada. Does that make a difference when, sure, they might have come out of the transfer portal, but they've been there for more than a season? It's not the first year that it is. Does that make a difference to you when you're getting guys out of the portal that can help when they've had at least one year of experience with you? Yeah, I think it's huge. Uh, just to understand conference play in a really good league. Like, we we played New Mexico about three weeks ago, and we never had – we hadn't had one player play in the pit before. So, so – those things, I think, just matter uh, as you travel, as you play conference games and the flow of a conference season of just understanding uh, what January, February, and March is all about. And 
you go through a grind piece in, in March or February, but it always sets up March. And we were fortunate to go five and two in February, which um, has put us in a position that it, it sets up some opportunities in March. And now that we hit March, it's about, you know, using some of that experience. And so I think the more experience you have, uh, especially through conference play, that helps. So next week, it is the Mountain West Tournament here in Las Vegas. Tom- or Tomorrow at 2 o'clock, UNLV is in Reno to take on Nevada. And you can hear that right here on ESPN Las Vegas. He's Steve Alford, head coach of Nevada. Steve, we appreciate your time Thank today. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. Have a great day. You too. So there is Steve Alford, the head coach of Nevada. You know, a couple of things that I found interesting from him. First off, he is a believer in player of the year should be from one of the top, top teams, teams right. in the conference. This year, I, I I don't know who's going to get it. I would probably guess Matt Bradley ends up getting it kind of with that mindset that he's the better, best player on the best team in the conference. But this is the year where you can make a legitimate argument for somebody down the standings like Amari Moore, Isaiah Stevens, even EJ Harkless, that they've got an argument for it because they're doing probably better individually than a Matt Bradley or even a Keenan Blackshear or Marcus Shaver, whoever you want to put him on the top If for some teams. reason, I don't think it's going to happen, Wyoming would go in and win at San Diego State tomorrow night and Boise uh, wins at Utah State. Those two, I think, are upsets both ways, obviously, the Wyoming one. I think a lot of people would vote for Max Rice. That would be an interesting one. He yeah. is he has come on very strong. Yeah, he's, I mean, conference play has been good, second half State of conference play. Right. Is, that, is that the... Uh, we talk about Heisman moments when we talk about the Heisman. Is that Max Rice's Player of the Year moment that comeback oh, yeah. against San that Diego comeback State? Against San Diego State, and a Be lot good. of people watched it. The other thing that, and other coaches have talked about this before, but all for talking about the the blowout aspect of of, of net, net rankings. Right. Where look, we've talked about Ken Palm. There's a garbage time filter, and once you get, I don't know, I can't remember the exact numbers, but twenty point game with three minutes left. Ken Palm doesn't matter. Your Ken Palm can't change after that because there's a garbage time filter that says, all right. This game's irrelevant now. You're not getting uh, a bump because you scored 10 more points in the final two minutes of a blowout. But net ranking doesn't have that. Right. Net ranking is... is Strictly the final score. Right. So it matters to keep your best players in as long as you can and blow out. You know, beating UNLV by 25 is much better than beating them by 17, yeah. even though at the end of the day, they're both blowouts and you win the game. It helps you to beat them by 25 and... I understand when coaches say that because you kind of feel like an ass, I bet, when you're beating a team by 20. And, and your you're starters like, are still in with 50 seconds left in the game. And we're still running sets because yeah, we got to beat exactly. you by 26 instead yeah. of 24. So I, I get the uh, effects there. But now we got some tickets to give away. If you want to go see Bonnie Raitt, call in now, 702-364-1100. That is the phone number. If you want to go see Bonnie Raitt, we've got a pair of tickets for you. She's playing at the Venetian Theater later this month. 702-364-1100. Caller 4 will win tickets to go see Bonnie Raitt. Graney and Bischoff are back on the Press Box. Demond, what's the name of this song? Blast off! <laughs> like that. Uh, the NHL trade deadline is in... A little over three hours, about three hours and nine minutes from right now. Did want to make one update. Uh, thanks to Cody for sending me this on Twitter. After the trade deadline, there is no longer a roster cap in the NHL. So technically, if all of the Golden Knights goalies were healthy, they would not have to waive any of them. Um, 
they could just have them all on the active roster. So they wouldn't have to waive somebody to keep Jonathan Quick okay. around. Would now, you have four in the how, active roster? How, how plausible or that how is? likely could they do that? We'll see. Right. Also, how healthy are they? It might not ever be a problem that they have no, four there's guys. No, there's always a chance that two of them yeah. will be hurt anyway. Um, but Chris Johnston uh, sent this tweet out a little bit earlier. The Flyers are looking for a third-round pick in return for James Van Riemsdyk. Vegas, Winnipeg, and Seattle among those with interest. Calgary has inquired too, but no longer seems to be in a buying frame of mind. Um, James Van Riemsdyk, he's 33 years old. He is a free agent after this season. He only has nine goals so far. He did have 24 last season. Uh, Has a pretty good track record of being a decent goal scorer. But here's where it gets interesting. Um, If my math is correct, the Golden Knights have about 2.2 million in cap space. James Van Riemsdyk makes seven million dollars <laughs> so even if philadelphia retained half of his salary still wouldn't be to the number you're still about 1.3 million off oh, there yeah. now teams have been using arizona as a free salary cap bank where they send arizona a pick and arizona retains some of salary. the salary so conceivably you could go through arizona you do have to give up an extra pick to do that um there's also the possibility that Laurent Brossois or Nick Waugh could be moved to long-term IR. Right. Uh, Waugh is making $3 million and Brossois is somewhere over $2 million. Either one of those guys going to long-term IR, I believe, would free up enough space to bring in James Van Riemsdyk if Philadelphia retained so half of So that's another it. depth piece. Uh, he'd probably be, well, he hasn't had the greatest season, but I think they would bring him in and expect him to be more than... Just simply, a, I, I think Van Riemsdyk comes in and you're sort of expecting him to, score? to, to be, well, they got Barbershop there. I was going to say to be the left winger on the first on line. On the first line? That would be my guess. I guess. It'd probably be between him and Barbashev as to who's the left winger on the first line there. Barbashev actually has scored more goals than Van Riemsdyk has this year. But I think if you trade for Van Riemsdyk, given the current state with Mark Stone out, I think he's getting a look at some point at being a first line left winger. Um, and then... Whoever works better, him or Barbashev, is the guy with Michael and Marcia, Yeah, so. wins that position, and the other one moves down. Probably or... goes to second line. You'd have to flip Riley Smith over to right wing, but potentially on the second line with Carlson and Smith. Or, yeah, I mean, at that point, you've got at that point, you'd have too many forwards that aren't great, but also aren't bad. Right, <laughs> like, exactly. You'd be looking at saying, "All right, you so have a bunch of guys." Right. It, none of these guys are like bad, but also none of them are clearly, oh, he's awesome. He's got to right. be in this spot. And then the other option, which I'm sure we will see tonight or tomorrow, Bruce Cassidy blows up the lines because they're losing or something. And he's when they lose, he blows up the lines and tries a bunch of different things. So we talk about Eichel and Marshall playing together a week from now. They might be on completely separate lines and you're trying something completely new right. with who you're uh, what your line combinations are. So James Van Riemsdyk might be a, a golden knight in the next three hours or so, which is when the trade deadline comes to an end. God, that would be... If, if they do that, and we already know what they've done uh, in terms of the other three they've gotten, would you have considered this trade deadline a success? Yes. Um, see what they give up for, for Van, Van Riemsdyk. If, so... That tweet from Johnston, Philly wants a third. But does that mean Philly wants a third and the Golden Knights take all of his salary? 
Because if that's the case, then Philly is going to get more than a third to retain half of his salary. And then if you do go the Arizona route, you're giving up a pick to go to Arizona. Yeah, you're giving up a pick to Arizona. So I'd be curious to see what the total uh, give back is for him. Right. Do they have to send them something to Arizona? Do they have to give a little bit more to Philly for them to retain salary? But at the end of the day, if it's a third-round pick, and even if it's a you add a fifth to that, you'd be looking at having given up a couple of thirds, um, a seventh, Michael Hutchinson, and potentially one more pick. This. Probably pretty low pretty cost. Good. Yeah, probably low cost. Yeah. It's what you said a couple weeks ago. It ended up being a bunch of guys right. instead of Patrick Kane. They didn't get Kane because presumably didn't Kane didn't want to come here. Timo Meyer didn't come here because presumably they weren't willing to give up as much right. as New Jersey. And they end up going with two for now and maybe a third if they get Rand Reemsdyke. Uh, and a goalie. Cheaper, not quite as good, but decent enough options there. So... Yeah, it's it's a I would say it's a fairly not necessarily not necessarily impressive from wow, they got so much better, but impressive if they do land Van Riemsdyk that they were able to add that many pieces given their their cap salary cap issues yeah, in which they are issues which they've <laughs> had forever since since year 2. Like it's it was not that long ago that George McPhee gave Ryan Reeves a bigger contract because they had so much cap space, they were like, yeah, might as right. well. Ryan Reeves, the, the way that was reported, Ryan Reeves had another team willing to give him a three-year deal worth, I can't remember, was it like $7 million or something? He's a $2 million guy. And George McPhee said, we'll just give you like $7 million over two. Right. Or I can't, it, I don't think it was seven, right. but whatever that number was. He just said, whatever they were going to pay you over three. Two a year. Yeah, whatever they're going to pay you over right. three, we'll pay you over two, two years. Exactly. And it was like, yeah, we got plenty of cap space. And, and then, then like, all of a sudden, within 12 months, they're like, ah, what's this long term IR thing? Exactly. <laughs> Who do we put on next so we don't have to have the scalary cap? <laughs> within two years, they were sending guys between Henderson and Vegas. Well, it wasn't Henderson, then it was Chicago and Vegas. Southwest Airlines. Every day yeah, to Airlines. save salary cap space yeah. because it accumulates we made daily. Fun of that. They were always going back and forth. <laughs> Those poor guys. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm coming back. You're getting sent back down again because we got to save $74 against the cap today. Uh, and now that's just the state that they operate in. But Barbashev, I'd, I'd put it this way. Quick, we talked about earlier and good value on the trade. Potentially going to be some problems if he gets some unjustified playing time. But Van Riemsdyk and Barbashev, you're giving Bruce Cassidy more toys, basically. And Bluger. Forgot about Bluger. You're giving him more toys to use. You're giving him more pieces. And he's clearly been a guy that likes to experiment and move around everything. So we'll see uh, if they land Van Riemsdyk. But it, it feels like basically, here, Cassidy, here's a bunch of pretty good forwards. Right. And figure a it out. goalie, we're not sure what you're going to do with. Yeah. Are we going to, are we supposed to go to break, Damon? All right. We're going to break. Coming back with the front page.